This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Thursday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Um, I will say I am somewhat surprised by the lack of enthusiasm for Darren Warren. I this, I don't know if people understand how significant a move this is. You know, this is one of the best executives in all sports. There are few general managers or team presidents, front office people, who I look at and I think are positive difference makers. Legitimate difference makers that are going to help your, your your team, that are going to help your organization get from point A to point B. Point A being where the Sixers are now, point B being a championship contender, which they currently are not. Daryl Morey is one of those guys. He is one of the people who is capable of making that kind of a difference. And I'm interested to see how this is received in the city over the next couple of days, because obviously analytics has been a discussion um, with what happened with the Rays and the pulling of Blake Snell, even though I don't, I don't think that's necessarily analytics. I think that's a poor application of analytics. Analytics and numbers are only as, are only as good as how you apply them. And Daryl Morey has proven to, be good at both. He embraces analytics. He crunches the numbers. He makes decisions where they are a major factor. But Daryl Morey has also proven that he is very, uh, very adept at the application of those numbers and analytics. He doesn't just use them blindly. And... What he did in Houston, while not winning a championship, and you can point to the fact, oh, he only got to conference finals, never won a championship. Okay. Um, He put that team in a position to beat the Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson Warriors. The best basketball team that I've ever seen in my life. The most unbeatable team I have ever seen. He had his team in a position to win that series. And if not for a Chris Paul injury... And not for, literally, the worst shooting night a team has ever had in Game 7 of the 2018 Western Conference Finals. The Houston Rockets are going to be champions. And Daryl Morey 
is looked at a whole lot differently, and I highly doubt the Sixers even get this opportunity to hire Dow Morey. So this is a big deal. And this is a potential savior and a potential saving grace for an organization that had been ruined, had been had been destroyed by Brian Colangelo and Jerry Colangelo and all of the cronies that were in that front office following, you know, the, the hostile takeover, if you will, of Sam Hinkie's organization. And Daryl Morey's here to finish what Sam Hinkie started. I couldn't be more excited. Uh, this is an unbelievable move. And we are very critical of Josh Harris in this city, very critical of Josh Harris on this station. But Josh Harris, David Blitzer, they deserve a ton of credit right now for as much bad as they've done, for as much as they have done wrong over the last few years. They couldn't have been more right over the last two months. Whether it's pivoting away from Mike D'Antoni because Doc Rivers became available. Pivoting away from Elton Brand and the remade front office because Daryl Morey became available. They have proven, for better or worse, they want to win. They legitimately care about winning. And we'll get to that a little more this hour as well. Um, Because I think there's been some massive confusion in this town over the last three years about two owners. And one has been labeled as a guy who wants to win at all costs. The other has been labeled as a guy who wants to just lie in his pockets. I think the more we watch, the more we're seeing, they're really the opposite. And I'm not sure how much Harris wants to win at all costs, but he does want to win. He hasn't made all the right decisions to get there, but I think it's clear. The Sixers give a damn about winning. The Sixers care about winning. They haven't always taken the right path to get there, but I think they're on the right path now for the first time in a while. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Mike in South Philly. What's happening, Mike? How's it going, Tom? What's going on? Yeah. Are you re- Mike, are you ready to forgive Josh Harris? Are oh, you ready? No. no. All right, Mike. No, I mean, well, I, I will acknowledge. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. But um, well, I'll, I'll, well, since you asked, I'll put it put it to you like this, right? It's like I, just since you asked it, I'm coming up with this analogy off the top of my head. So forgive me if it's not the best, but it's like if you have a really close friend who has like an addic- a, you know, an addiction problem, and they keep stealing from you, and they keep coming back, and they go, "I'm clean this time," and they keep falling off the wagon. Um, and then one time they come back in your life, and they go, they look really good, and they're like, "Trust me, man, I'm legitimately clean this time." Well. Since they betrayed you, or not betrayed you, but since they let you down so many times before, you know, you're a little skeptical, but you'll give them a chance. So I'll give Josh Harris a chance to prove myself, but I'm still skeptical to say the least because uh, this is a move that is repairing something that he completely destroyed. <laughs> Agreed. I, I totally agree. It is, it is repairing the own faults of the organization and things that Josh Harris created, but I'll at least give him credit for this. At least he's trying. He could have, you know, stuck with Elton Brand and stuck with Mike D'Antoni and not tried. At least they are trying. Oh, no, no question about it. And that's why I'm going to give credit to you for talking about it because, I mean, this is the biggest story in the city. I know people like to hype up Eagles-Cowboys week. I mean, you might as well hype up, you know, 
Central Northeast Thanksgiving game, which I don't even think they're going to have this year. That's a, that's about as uh, as hype as this Eagles Cowboys game. Uh, I know, you know, I know it's you know, sports radio. You got to do it drives the ratings, um, but. Uh, this is by far the biggest story in town. This might be the most important thing to happen to Philadelphia sports in the year 2020. If you think about it, since a general manager is the most important thing you can have on any sports team, they're the ones that build the roster. Um, they got one of the best guys in the sport. Uh, this should be front page, center news, biggest story in town right now. Without, I'm glad that you're talking about it over the Eagles Cowboys because, frankly, it's a bigger story. It's more important. Without a doubt, Mike. And, you know, I, I don't judge, uh, you know, my show – or I, I don't think it's really smart to judge any shows on calls you, you get. But I'm honestly, I am surprised that more people are not excited about this Daryl Morey move because it really is the kind of move that it could and could, um, being in all capital letters, uh, get this franchise on the right path. Yeah, I mean, it gives the fans hope of nothing else. Um, now, they might have boxed themselves into a position so dire that it's going to take several years um, to get out of it. But at least, you know, Daryl Morey's not going to make things worse. And if there is a way he could find it. Now, I don't know if it's possible to find that way in year one under his tenure, but maybe year two or year three, he will find something. Maybe he'll find some diamonds in the rough. Um, he's known as a guy who likes to go out and get stars. He got James Harden. He's known as a guy who's never uh, content with not building a winner. He's not one of those guys. And, and this is what I like, I like about Maury Best. You know, there, there's some general managers and owners that are so stubborn that they want to win with their guys. And if they keep losing two years in a row, three years in a row, now we're going to go back with the same roster because we believe in this roster. No, he'll bail on guys half a year in if he realizes they're not good enough. And I think you need to do that. Like, he is not somebody who smells his own you-know-what. He's a guy who, if he makes a move and the guy doesn't work out, he'll, he'll try to trade him in a couple months, and I, and I like that about him. Right, and w- the best example is what you saw last year. Like, Maury did not want to do the Russell Westbrook trade. That was James Harden and, and Tillman Fertitta, the owner. They wanted to get Chris Paul out. They wanted Russell Westbrook in. So he kind of had his hand forced there, but in the middle of the season, he realized, okay, this isn't working. We might as well trade Capella bring in Covington, just play super small, and who knows what would have happened had the league not shut down, but they were playing very well, and it had looked a lot better um, right before that based on a very unconventional move that most people wouldn't have the guts to make. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, I don't, I mean, I don't know if we'll trade Embiid or Simmons. I think if you trade one, you trade Simmons just because, I mean, who knows if we'll ever get the jump shot, and frankly, he might be more attractive just because of you know Embiid's injury history, uh, like uh, I yeah, sorry, Mike. No, uh, but I was gonna say like, but I do. I will give Josh Harris credit. I've trashed Josh Harris on this station many times, and I've always said as negative negative as I've been about Philadelphia sports lately. Um, I don't hold any agendas. I will call it as I see it. I just think it's been a bad turn. But this is something to be praised, and they should be praised for it. And uh, this is uh, you know I. And obviously, it's so early in the going. Free agency hasn't even started yet. I don't even know if they have a date for it yet, but. Uh, in this pre, you know, uh, off-season NBA, you have to say the Sixers are the winners of it so far with their coaching staff and their front office moves. They're, 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 they have, they've had the best off-season of any team so far. Yeah, no doubt. And obviously, before personnel stuff starts, it's hard to to judge that kind of stuff. But like I like you said, over the last six to eight weeks, you can't ask for any more than what they've done. You know, to bring in Doc Rivers and and by the way, the staff 
which Doc Rivers is putting together basically an all-star coaching staff when you look at Dave Yeager. I like Yeager a lot. Man. Yeah, I like him a lot too. And Sam Cassell, who obviously has a ton of experience as both a player and a coach. You add in Maury, and all of a sudden, you see a pathway. Now, like we've discussed here, I don't know if there is a way out of it because their situation is is really uh, dire, but I'll say this. I don't think Daryl Morey takes this job if he did, didn't see some sort of pathway back to championship contention. Absolutely. And you know what? Isn't it the most comforting feeling in sports when you have a general manager you can trust in? Like, when you have a bad general manager, when you enter free agency, when you enter the draft, when you hear that they're exploring trades – you're biting your fingernails like, oh, how are they going to mess it up? When you have a general manager you can trust, it's such a comforting feeling. You just believe that they're going to find a way to make the right move. Like, that's the most comforting feeling in any sport, I guess aside from having a great owner. Um, what, what, what surprised you more, the fact that Maury took the job or the fact that the Sixers got him? Because I think you can make a case that both are equally surprising. I mean, Hinky was Maury's boy, and they really – I mean, they really screwed Hinky over. I mean, he's never gotten another job in the NBA. He basically drove them, drove them away from basketball. What was more surprising to you? What aspect of it? Um, I, I think it's more that they got him because uh, you know I, I just I was resigned to when they brought in the the other guys in the front office. I thought that was that, and I, and I thought that was the end of it. But they had had these discussions with Maury in the past, and. You know, I, I think as far as the Maury Hinky relationship, I, I think in this kind of business, you you kind of let that stuff go. I don't think Daryl Maury held it like personal against Josh Harris with what happened with Sam Hinky. I'm sure he, he he thought it wasn't right, um, but I don't think that was a factor in whether Maury would take the job or not. Yeah, I could. I I think you're probably right if I had to lean one side. I'm going to make a. Are you going to be on Saturday night? I will be on Saturday. Yes, well, I'll do it in, now. Five hours. Day. I got one hour with Jolly and then four solo. Oh, so, oh it's the, day, the daylight savings. Yes, yes. Yeah. One hour, Jolly. I, that's a prime time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tune in for that one, Mike. Well, just just in case you know I'm not able to call yeah. on, on that. Night, I'm going to make a little proposal to you and tell me if you think this is fair. Right. Okay. You know how we both kind of fallen on different sides of the aisle, aisle with the Eagles, whether we want them to make the playoffs or not. Right. Um, whether you know. And I'm not trying to convince you otherwise. That's not where I'm going with this. But I will say this. You said uh, a few nights ago, right, you think the Eagles should uh, blow out the Cowboys, right? I, I do. I think, uh, I mean, at minimum, double digits. At minimum. Okay. All right, give, well, give me this then. Obviously, there's extenuating circumstances. Who knows what could happen if Carson Wentz goes down, obviously changes things. I'm, I'm throwing all that out. I'm just talking about just, you know. If the Eagles struggle and have to scratch and claw to beat the Cowboys, and it turns into another Giants game where they need a miracle comeback, or even if they don't have to make a comeback, but it's a nip-tuck game and they end up winning like 17-16 or 20-21, no optimism that night when you come on uh, on Do Your Show. They have to beat the Cowboys uh, considerably. That's fair. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, that's fair. The Eagles got to beat them convincingly, and if they don't, uh, I will not be happy. I think that's fair. Because it's clear with their roster moves, they they mail the season in. Like, they're cutting players, they're trying to trade players. I don't even, I think they're tanking at this point, honestly. I thought they were going to trade for Ryan Fitzpatrick. The fact that they haven't made a move at quarterback, and the fact that they're cutting Poe, and they're cutting Worley, and they're trying to trade this guy and that guy, I think they mailed in the season. And if you're competing against a team whose season is already mailed in, and you're getting player, healthy players back, they're probably going to have Reger, they might have Lane Johnson back, um, and, and Goddard. 
If you can't beat the Cowboys by double digits, something is very, very, very rotten. Very rotten. Because that will have been three NFC teams now, three NFC East teams now, in the worst division ever. Even though they beat the Giants, they've struggled mightily against Washington, against the Giants. If they can't blow out the Cowboys, then I, I'm sorry. Like, there's no more like, well, win is a win is a win. They have to win, and they have to win by a considerable margin. I, I would say that that, that's fair, Mike. I yeah, appreciate it. I'd say that's fair. I, I, and I am confident the Eagles win by double digits. I, I will say, though, and you know, people can get on me for this if you, if you want to, the only reason why I struggle to be fully confident that the Eagles will win by double digits is I can't trust the quarterback to play a full game. I can't. I can't trust him to play a complete game where he's protecting the football and not making bad decisions and uh, not holding the ball too long. And until I see that, I mean, the closest thing to it was Pittsburgh. Aside from that, there have been a multitude of mistakes in every game. Um, This is a really bad Dallas team, and the Eagles should crush them. Uh, The Eagles should put up at minimum, 28 points in this game. Minimum. And if if they protect the ball, if they play a smart football game, that's exactly what will happen. Um, but after what we saw last week against the Giants and the offense struggle as much as they did for the majority of the game against that bad football team, um, and the quarterback struggle as much as he did against that football team, It's hard for me to say with any kind of confidence and any kind of conviction uh, that that he can play a mistake-free game. Hopefully he can this week. He hasn't done it so far this year. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, When we get back, I I do want to um, compare uh, a couple owners in this town. Uh. Because I think we have them mixed up, in a way. So we'll do that when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Open lines uh, right now if you want to chime in. We're... Earlier, we were talking about our Mount Rushmore of Eagles-Cowboys week uh, talking topics on the radio. Um, I have one for you, Mike. I just thought of one here. When was the first time that you realized or you were taught that you hated the Cowboys? Uh, you know, like, when did you when did you learn to hate the Cowboys? Is that one or no? here. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is one. Um. Yeah, that's good. That's that's in the mix. That's in the mix. Yeah. Or what? What do you hate most about the cow? I hate that star. Yeah, I hate Jerry Jones' face. The starter jackets. <laughs> yeah, those starter jackets. Everybody <laughs> hate those starter jackets. Uh, but we'll keep messing around with that. If you want to get in on the Eagles and Cowboys, um, you're welcome to. We'll get to that a little later. There's just so much going on tonight, and uh, you know, I'm, th- there's not a lot of buzz for this game. There's just not. Uh, do we know if it's going to be Ben DiNucci or Andy Dalton yet? I guess I don't think Andy Dalton practiced on Wednesday. Either way, though, um, Eagles should win this game handily. And Mike in South Philly kind of put my feet to the fire a little bit, saying I can't be positive if the Eagles don't win convincingly. I'll, I'll, I'll adhere to that. If the Eagles squeak out a win over the Cowboys, I won't be positive on, on Monday morning. I think that's fair. 
Um, the Eagles should dominate this game. And, you know, some encouraging injury updates. It looks like Jalen Rager's going to be back. Hopefully Dallas Goddard will be back. That would be that would be nice. I did not expect him to be as far along. Had to bend down and pick up my pen real quick. Sorry about that. Um, but hopefully Goddard will be back. Uh, you get Rager back. And um, this offense shouldn't have any trouble scoring points. Um, it does seem like there might be one negative factor returning to the lineup. Uh, we'll we'll get to that later on in the 4 o'clock hour. But, um, yeah, just not the same kind of buzz for Eagles-Cowboys. And that's what happens when the Cowboys are bad. And that's why Mike and I, um, people of our age group, we tend to hate the Giants more. Because when we were, you know, growing up, early 2000s, the Giants were the team the Eagles were competing with the NFC East. I like the Giants, by the way. The Cowboys quarterbacks during that time, you know, they were running out there. Quincy Carter and Chad Hutchinson. The former Cardinals the, pitcher? Yeah, right? baseball player. Yeah. He was a Michigan. He actually was the starter at Michigan over Brady. No, that was Drew Hansen. Well, he was a Cowboy quarterback, too. Yeah, that's right. why That's why I mixed them up. Right, yeah. Right, right. yeah, no, they, you're right about that. Um, but, yeah, they were running out a bunch of stiffs. Uh, I think they had Vinny Testaverde for a time during that period. They had him. They had Bledsoe. Yeah. Well, Bledsoe was a little later. Bledsoe was like, like mid-2000s. I thought they were a year apart. I was thinking like early 2000s. Because I thought they replaced Testaverde with Bledsoe. I'm not sure. You might be right. You know what, Mike? You might be right about that. Thank I know you. Bledsoe was the quarterback of the Cowboys in 06 because that was the famous T.O. return. Yeah, the Lito Shepard game. Um, so... Uh, yeah, but we'll get into Eagles-Cowboys a little later on. I'll give you my uh, prediction at the end of the show. Um, so if you want to get in, uh, you're welcome to. But we spent a lot of the show so far talking about the news of the day, which is massive news that the Sixers have brought in Daryl Morey. And Daryl Morey's a game changer. He is. And not many, not many executives in sports do you feel that way about. But there are certain guys like Theo Epstein, is a game changer. Um, uh, Daryl Morey is a game changer. Costanza. Uh, George Costanza. Danny Ainge. Like, this is the kind of company that Daryl Morey keeps. He is that good. And if anybody can maneuver the Sixers out of the hell that the Colangelos put them in, it's Daryl Morey. And it's very fitting for Daryl Morey, Sam Hinkie's um, mentor to come in and save the Sixers from the Colangelos who took over what Sam Hinkie built and ruined it. And I think it's just a, Mike, is it not a beautiful thing? It's a beautiful I, Yeah, thing. I never looked at it like that. You have, you know. Come full circle. Sam put together this really nice garden of, you know, things growing and ready to go. And really, you know, after this Colangelo and Elton Brand, Elton, Elton Brown, Elton Brand, Elton Brown. Brett Brown, Elton Brand. Yeah. yeah Elton that, Brand. That, that makes sense. Uh, you know, Firestorm. There's only two fruits left for, in this garden. Right. Of Hinky, you know, and, and now it's it's Maury's chance to save it. Maury's going to replant the garden and re- re- rebuild, yeah. so to speak. So it, it is a beautiful thing, and I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited that the Sixers have a pathway now to, to success, and they have somebody who can come in and and – inspires hope because honestly a few weeks ago after they got swept out by the Celtics the way they did and just the way things were with this organization and the cap hell they were in I had no hope I have hope again and you got to give credit 
to Josh Harris. And I need to uh, get to this point right now. And I have been, this is a take that I have had for years now, I'd venture to say. Um, Where, if you've listened to me before, you know that I am at the forefront. I've been at the forefront. And I will pat myself on the back here. I, I try not to do that too often. I'm, I think I'm pretty self-deprecating. I make fun of myself enough where I can I can pat myself on the back once in a while. Well, it's just you don't have much reason to. <laughs> That's true. I'm not right about a ton, so I don't have much to, to, to pat myself on the back for. But I have been at the forefront for years on the take that John Middleton is nothing more than a snake oil salesman, and he, all, all John Middleton cares about is taking your money. That's all he wants to do. And... Uh, for all of the big bombastic talk, I want my damn trophy. And that's why I'm going to go out and sign Bryce Harper. No, John Middleton didn't sign Bryce Harper because he wants to win. John Middleton went out and signed Bryce Harper because people stopped coming to the ballpark. Okay? That's why he went out and signed Bryce Harper. And he thought, okay, $330 million investment will pay for itself in the kind of ticket sales that we're going to get. The amount of people that we're going to get to come watch Bryce Harper, it'll pay for itself. I'm not worried about the contract. And what's so funny for years is that's always been what we thought Josh Harris was. And I've been trying to say this, where I don't know if Josh Harris is a good owner. Josh Harris is not a good owner. He's not. Or hasn't been to this point. Maybe he's seeing the light and is turning a corner. But with Josh Harris, I have never doubted that he's wanted to win. I really haven't. I've always thought he's wanted to win. He's never, you know, there have been plenty of times where he hasn't gone about it the right way, certainly. But when Josh Harris brought in Sam Hinkie, that was not just a lose, and, and people who thought Hinkie was going to lose forever, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why would a guy just want to tank forever? It doesn't make sense. It's it's the worst take out there. It's like, oh, this Hinkie never wanted to, we'd still be tanking. What, what like, what, would be the the um, upside for Sam Hinkie to never win. Like, wh- wh- what's the point of that? It's a stu. If you think that you're stupid, I'm sorry. It's just a stupid thought process. Um, Josh Harris brought Sam Hinkie in here because Sam Hinkie had a plan that Josh Harris thought was the right plan. Now, what happened there? The league forcing Hinkie out. Uh, so be it. So he brings in Colangelo. Then Josh Harris tried to do things to win. Apparently, the Jimmy Butler trade was something that was uh, driven by ownership. Ownership wanted to accelerate the process, trade for Jimmy Butler. In retrospect, that doesn't look like it was a terrible decision on its face. Had you re-signed Jimmy Butler, you'd be in a pretty good situation right now. I think everybody can say that, considering what we've seen over the last couple months, that Jimmy Butler's a much better player than anybody realized. I don't know. The, the Sixers' problem isn't that like, they're, that they're not finding enough players to use with their cap space. The problem is they just they blew all their cap space on, on top-end talent. They didn't spread it out. Well, right, right. But, but that, that's kind of the point, is that Josh Harris is not unwilling to spend... He's never been unwilling to spend. You know, there are certain owners, times. but not recently. Not recently at all. I mean, there have been times where uh, Josh Harris and the Sixers have 
spent money unwisely, like last summer, when you signed Tobias Harris and Al Horford to the contracts you signed them to, that's not money well spent. But it's not, you know, an ownership that doesn't care, that doesn't want to win. They clearly want to win. They don't know how to go about winning. And that's that doesn't make it, honestly, it doesn't make it any better in terms of where the organization is. But it's the difference in these owners that I think people have misconstrued for a long time now. Is, you know, people have thought that John Middleton's this guy who wants to win. And he's willing to spend all this money. And he's willing to do whatever it takes. He might not know the right way to do it, but damn, he's trying. That's not true. While everybody thinks... Josh Harris is the guy who won't spend any money and is pinching pennies and just wants to make money. Every owner wants to make money. But I think Josh Harris truly wants to win. He doesn't always go about it the right way, but he truly wants to win. John Middleton, the guy who everybody thinks wants to win, doesn't give a damn about winning. And he it, it can't be any more clear than right now. Is All John Middleton wants to do is... Uh, stuff his pockets. And let's just look at it in terms of what John Middleton said a few weeks ago, where the Sixers in the last six weeks have gone out and have reshaped their entire organization. They have rebuilt their front office. They have brought in Daryl Morey. They brought in this guy Dinwiddie from Indiana. Uh, They brought in a scout from Orlando. They brought in Doc Rivers. They brought built a whole coaching staff. Dave, Dan Ye, Dave Yeager. Um, Sam Cassell. Dan Burke, who we'll get to later on. This guy's a little more polarizing, uh, if you remember a situation with Dan Burke from weeks ago. But the Sixers, over the course of the last six weeks, have gone out and hired an entire coaching staff and an entire front office. The Phillies are in a position where we have been calling for years for Matt Klintak to be gone. And you thought after this season, at least finally, John Middleton, if he cares, if he cares one bit about winning, if he cares one bit about getting that trophy back, as he claims, get rid of the front office. You'll fire Klintak. You'll fire, you'll fire McPhail. You'll fire Ned Rice. And you will rebuild their front office. Well, listen to John Middleton a few weeks ago, about why that just can't happen right now. We don't really have a firm tape timetable. I think one of the things that's really going to potentially play havoc with, with this offseason is COVID. Um, and not knowing, I mean, right now you can't even, we, our offices aren't even open. So if you had somebody new today, they can't really, they can't go into the office to work. They can't meet people. They can't work with people. They can't, it's hard, you know. And, and holding Zoom meetings only goes so far, particularly when you're talking about establishing relationships. It's, I think we have to be flexible and we have to be nimble. I mean, so we'll go out and see. And, and who knows how COVID is going to play in potential candidates' minds, whether, whether they're going to become conservative and say, I want to stay where I am because I know where I am and I feel safe here, or whether they're going to say, I, I want to take, take a chance and move out into a new job and a new organization. All right, well, let me get this straight here. So the Sixers, as I said, have overhauled an entire front office, have hired a whole new coaching staff. They Amazing, Mike. They've done this all during the COVID pandemic. Like, it's still going on, all of this stuff that John Middleton. But John Middleton, I got to wait. We got to wait till COVID's over. Who knows when that's going to be? 
we can't make any changes right now. I, how how can I have a Zoom meeting? How can I meet people? Like get to know people on Zoom. Right, like, I mean, there are certain situations, John, where you can fa- meet somebody face to face, you know, and do it safely. Does John Middleton not understand how this works? Um, the Sixers had a dinner with Doc Rivers. I'm assuming the Sixers met in person with Daryl Morey. Uh, so the Sixers are able to do it, but John Middleton's not able to do it. But oh, just blame it on the coronavirus. Blame it on COVID. No, it's because John Middleton doesn't care. He doesn't care about winning. He didn't want to fire Matt Klintak. That's why Matt Klintak's still with the organization. He doesn't give a damn about you as a fans. He doesn't give a damn about winning baseball games. His team didn't make the playoffs in a year where it is a disgrace if you don't make the playoffs. And is he embarrassed by it? No. He's not embarrassed at all. The only reason he even demoted Klentak is to try to take some of the heat off himself. Because that's all he cares about. All he cares about is how he's viewed publicly. He doesn't care about winning. He cares about taking your money. Everything that people thought Josh Harris was about. That's what John Middleton's about. Taking your money. He, the Bryce Harper was an investment. It was investment to get people back in the ballpark. Because they had all those sellout streaks. They had that long sellout streak when the team was good. Then the team started to rebuild. Nobody went to the ballpark anymore. And guess what? The revenues went down. So John Middleton said, how can we get revenues back up? We go spend on a player that people want to see. He didn't sign Bryce Harper because he thought it was going to bring him a championship. He signed Bryce Harper because he looked at it as an investment. And it's a way to get people to buy Bryce Harper jerseys and buy merchandise and buy season tickets. That's all this guy cares about. And it couldn't be any more clear. And uh, seriously, I, I don't, I, I never thought I'd be the Josh Harris guy. Like, I, and I, I'm not, you know, here to defend Josh Harris as like this great owner. But at least I see somebody who cares about winning. He might not always do the right things. He does the wrong things way more than he does the right things. But at least they're trying. At least in the midst of a pandemic where you think the revenues for the NBA right now are stable at all. They don't even know when they're going to start their season. They don't know uh, how many games they're going to play. They don't know if they're going to have fans. Josh Harris is willing to go out and sign Doc Rivers to uh, an expensive contract to be the head coach of the team. I guarantee you when the numbers on this Maury contract come out, he's going to get a That contract's probably going to be exorbitant as far as um, front office people go in the NBA. Josh Harris has a ton of uncertainty. He's willing to spend. Well, you want to know how John Middleton looks at at, at how he's going to spend his money? You think he's worried about his revenues? Of course he is. He told us a couple weeks ago. Here was John Middleton when asked about whether the Phillies would have the money and be able to re-sign JT Real Mito. Can you tell me what what the governor and the mayor of Philadelphia are going to allow us to have next year in the way of fans? Because if you if you do, you know something that I don't. So I have no idea what we're going to be allowed. And obviously that's going to determine revenues and revenues determines what, what you can do and what you can't do. Neither the Sixers. Sixers don't know what their revenue is going to be. You know, I don't put a ton of stock in the TV ratings like a lot of people do. But hey, if you put stock in that, NBA's ratings were down. 
Is there a lot of cost certainty with that league right now? Of course not. They play indoors. Who knows if they're going to be able to have a season without investing more money in a bubble for next year? Nobody knows. The Sixers aren't afraid to go out and spend money. They're going out and getting people in place that can do the jobs, whether it be in the front office or it be on the coaching staff. At least they care about winning. Josh, in a weird way, this Daryl Morey hire tells me more about John Middleton than it does about Josh Harris. The Sixers are trying. The Sixers are willing to make investments to try to turn their organization around to win. John Middleton does not care. And this is what I've been trying to tell people for two years now. While people think that John Middleton is this is this owner who is willing to go out and will do whatever it takes and all this nonsense. That's all it is. It's hot air. It's nonsense. As the Sixers show, it, it, it's crazy. But it is possible. You can go out and you can hire a new general manager right now. You can do it. You don't have to wait for the virus to pass, as John Middleton claims. John Middleton is not getting rid of the front office because John Middleton doesn't want to pay for them to go away. John Middleton does not want to pay an actual general manager to come in here and fix this baseball operation. And it's painfully obvious. And unfortunately, the people who are going to bear the brunt of it are Phillies fans. Because they're going to have another team next year. It's going to be around 500. Isn't going to win anything. JT Real Muto is probably gone. As much as we like to talk about, you know, I wish they'd go after Trevor Bauer or I wish they'd go after George Springer. Probably won't. Josh Harris, because, hey, John Middleton did. I mean, can you tell him who's going to be in the ballpark next year? Can you tell him uh, what the he revenue is going to be? He doesn't know. Yeah. I mean, do you, Mike, do you know something that I don't, do you know when the governor and the mayor are going to allow fans? I mean, if I don't have money coming in my pockets, I can't, I can't spend anything. You, know, well, you can't do that. Are you crazy? I mean, actually, uh, he's learned since then with this Eagles thing that he'll, he'll have at the minimum 5,000 people. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, know. probably realistically, yeah, five, 10. Yeah, five thousand's not enough for John. He 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 can't he can't deal with that. He's such a joke. He really is. He's such a joke. And um, you know, I think it's obvious. I'm not saying Josh Harris is great, better owner than John Middleton, and I don't think that's really up for debate. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four if you want to get in. Uh we got a lot still to get to. Um we gotta get to all the baseball stuff from last night. We'll start with that next. Uh because I need to, uh, well, first we'll get to what happened during the game uh, before we get to all the ridiculousness after the game. And the decision by Rays manager Kevin Cash um, that was one of the most insane things I've ever seen uh, during a baseball game. So we'll get to that next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Um, if you want to get in on the Sixers and the Daryl Morey news, uh, you're welcome to, uh, as we discussed last segment. And as I said, you know, 
it, it, it really tells you a lot about the two owners and how they have proceeded this offseason. Where Josh Harris decided he was going to go out and try to fix things. Things that needed to be repaired desperately. Has Josh Harris always made the right moves? Obviously not. Um, the Colangelos were a disaster. The uh, Tobias Harris, Al Horford contracts, awful, awful. But Josh Harris saw issues. He saw people available who could fix those issues, be it Doc Rivers, the best head coach available. Daryl Morey, the best executive out there, and got them. And look at how John Middleton has spoken and proceeded on the Philly side. John Middleton is talking about uncertainty and revenues. And I don't know if we can re-sign JT Real Muto because I don't know if we're going to have fans in the stands. And if I don't get money put in my pocket, then I'm not taking money out of my pocket. And I can't hire a new general manager because we have, you know, uh, the, the COVID issue going on. And how can I possibly, how can I possibly um, move on from my current uh, front office structure when I can't meet people in person? Well, the Sixers have found a way to do it. The Sixers got a guy who's a difference maker. There's really no excuse. And that's all it is with John Middleton. It's excuses. All he cares about is making money. He doesn't give a damn about you. He doesn't give a damn about the baseball team. He doesn't care about winning. He just wants to make money. And that's what everybody thought about Josh Harris. But at least Josh Harris shows that he wants to win. John Middleton doesn't want to win. He spent one offseason. And the only reason he did it was to renew interest in the team. To sell tickets. And it worked. He's a good businessman. He doesn't care about winning, though. If he did, Matt Klintak would be gone. Andy McPhail would be gone. Ned Rice would be gone. And he'd bring in a legitimate executive to rebuild this farm system and rebuild this organization. But he's not willing to do it. And unfortunately, that means the Phillies won't be back in the World Series uh, for, for a long time here. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. And speaking of the World Series, I got to get to that now. And in the 4 o'clock hour, We'll get to all the ridiculousness that ensued late in the game and after the game regarding Justin Turner because it it truly is unbelievable and in a way fitting that we end this season criticizing and laughing at Rob Manfred for his ineptitude, the same thing we did for months prior to the season when they were going through the, those crazy labor negotiations. And uh, we'll get to the Manfred, uh, you know, issues as well with his um, his interviews last night. And, uh, you know, because that was a little out of control, uh, how Rob Manfred sounded after the game. What are you chuckling at there, Mike? Uh, I, I, enough TV people. I thought it was funny. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I was a little worried, but enough TV people have said that it's like the reverb in the stadium. Yeah. yeah that I'll buy it. I'm just ignoring it. Yeah. And that way I can laugh at Manfred, uh, you know, because I, I I don't want anything to seriously be wrong with the guy. All right, so then what are you questioning what I'm laughing at if we're laughing at the Well, game? no, I wasn't saying you're laughing was a bad thing. I just wanted to bring you on for a second and, you know, discuss it. But we'll get to Manfred next segment here uh, because he's a clown. And his whole, his whole 
you know, it's it's so fitting that we end this season, you know, mocking his ineptitude uh, the way we did prior to the season. But before we get to that, I want to get to the decision that what was was heard, uh, you know, was was debated all night last night, and not really even debated, just mocked as Kevin Cash, the Rays manager, takes out Blake Snell in the sixth inning of this game. And it's obviously kind of related to the conversation that we've had tonight in regards to the Sixers with analytics. Now, as I have said, I am not anti-analytics by any stretch of the imagination. Quite frankly, if you think analytics are the devil and that analytics have no place in sports and numbers have no place. And I just want to look, look at the eye test. Can a guy throw a 97 mile per hour fastball? If he can, he's got the good stuff. If he can't get him out of here. I'm not just an eye test guy. And I think if you're just an eye test person, um, I, I think that's kind of a, a foolish way to look at sports. You know, if you, if you, if you don't want to look at analytics, you want to look at an eye test, go back and watch tape of, of the buddy Ryan teams and that time in sports um, and enjoy it because it's not coming back. Analytics have a place in sports and can be a very useful tool. They can be a very valuable resource. But in game six, you saw how being a slave to analytics can ruin you. And what Kevin Cash did was beyond comprehension. As you watch Blake Snell out there during during that game, and he was dominant, unlike you see many pitchers ever dominate. He was mowing that Dodger lineup down. They had no chance against him. He was absolutely dealing. It actually reminded me a lot of Cliff Lee in game one of the of the 09 World Series. I thought it was very similar to that performance where you watch that game and you knew that night the Yankees couldn't touch him. They didn't have any chance against Cliff Lee that night. And that's the way it looked with Blake Snell in this game is he was absolute, absolutely dominating that Dodger lineup. And to take him out with one out in the sixth inning at 73 pitches is laughable. It is absolutely laughable. And here was Kevin Cash uh, with uh, his explanation, giving his reasoning for why he went to Ian Anderson in that spot and took out Blake Snell. The only motive was that um, the, the, the lineup, lineup the Dodgers features as potent as any team in the league. Personally, I felt Blake had done his job and then some. Uh, Mookie coming around for the third time through. Uh, I value that. Uh, I, I totally respect and understand the, the questions that come with it. Uh, Blake gave us every opportunity to win. He was outstanding. They're not easy decisions. Um, and that's where I came to the decision. I felt it was best after the guy got on base. Uh, Barnes hit the single. Uh, didn't want Mookie seeing Mookie or Seager seeing Blake uh, a third time. Now, in general, in general, I get the baseline of you don't want a pitcher going through the lineup a third time. 
that numbers do show that the pitcher will have a harder time going through the lineup that third time. It's what happened to Clayton Kershaw on his last bad start. Is He was good through the lineup the first two times, tried going through a third time, and it came back to bite him. I get that as a general rule. But you need to have some sort of feel. Some sort of feel for how the game's going and what has happened up to that point. In that game, the first two times through those first four hitters that Kevin Cash talked about, Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, and Max Muncy were combined 0 for 8 with seven strikeouts the first two times uh, for all those four hitters. You have to have some sort of feel there. You can't just blindly rely on the numbers without any kind of, of... of thought process that Blake Snell is mowing these guys down. He's dominating. And, I mean, um, uh, immediately, when you saw Barnes get that hit and you saw Cash coming out of the dugout, Blake Snell was livid. He couldn't believe that he was getting taken out during the game of his life, essentially. Here was Blake Snell after the game on being pulled before getting the chance to face Mookie Betts. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, definitely disappointed, upset. Um... You know, I don't know. I just want the ball. I felt good. I felt I did everything I could to, you know, prove my case to stay out there. Um, and then for us to lose, you know, it just it sucks. Um, yeah, it's not. I mean, I don't really know what to say. You know, I just uh, I want to win and I want to win the World Series. And that's the goal. So for us to lose. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just sucks. I mean, I'm not going to question him. I mean, he, he's a hell of a manager, so I'm not going to question him. And I honestly think that's Blake Snell taking the high road. Like, if I was Blake Snell, I'd have said, yeah, the manager's an idiot. Why is he taking me out at 73 pitches? I'm pitching the game of my life, the World Series. Uh, I, was, I was rooting during that game for Blake Snell to just go up and start berating Kevin Cash in the dugout. Um, because you know that's what everybody in that dugout wanted to do at the time. It's just a ridiculous move. And, you know, just look at the Dodgers' reactions. They say you. I was watching interviews after the game with Mookie Betts and and Corey and Cody Bellinger, and they were stunned. Cody Bellinger, when asked the question, started cracking up laughing. Mookie Betts, after he hits the double, it goes over to the first base coach and he's laughing. It was one of the all-time awful decisions in Major League Baseball history, and. You know, I brought it up the other night with the Rays as far as their slavery to analytics. And again, I am not an anti-analytics person. I think that the numbers can be very useful, but you got to have a feel for the game. Just like in game five, fourth inning, the Rays had runners on the corners with nobody out. Joey Wendell, Willie Adamas both came up to the plate. They were trying to hit home runs. And that's why you're just trying to get the run in. Why not try to just get the run in, get the game tied, and then worry about getting the big homer later? And it, it, this is the problem with some teams where you, when, when you were such a slave to analytics, it's not that analytics are bad, and this is what people need to understand. 
You know, because I see all the fools after the game. This is why he can't use numbers. This is why he can't do math. Can't use analytics. Oh, these analytics guys. Send them back to their mom's basement. Throw out the computers. You know, they all want to run the Gettleman style of, of, of sports. It's not analytics are not the problem. But how you apply them is, is they're only as valuable as how you apply them is what I'm trying to say. And it relates back to the Sixers. Because Daryl Morey is an analytical guy. Daryl Morey is a numbers guy. But what he's best at is applying those numbers and figuring out how best to utilize them to make your team better. And the Rays got really far using that approach. But if you're not going to apply them and you're not going to have any sort of a feel for the game, then it doesn't matter who manages the team. It doesn't matter if Kevin Cash manages the team, if I manage the team, if Mike manages the team, any of us can just follow the numbers. At some point, though, you got to have some kind of a feel. And taking Blake Snell out in that spot was was un, unbelievable. I, I honestly, it was the one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in any sport. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Now when we get back, we got to get to the rest of the game. Because as big a story as that was, it ended up, taking a back seat to just the ineptitude of Major League Baseball and what followed um, with the whole Justin Turner situation. We'll get to that when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. 